Good afternoon and welcome to From Where We Are, stories of news and culture through the lens of USC and Southern California. I'm Natalie Lozano coming to you live from Studio B in USC's Annenberg Media Center. And I'm Malcolm Caminero. It's Wednesday, November 29th. On today's show, a fatal shooting took place at LA Live last night. SCA adjunct faculty members are marching this afternoon and the 2023 Spotify Wrapped released today. What did Trojans listen to this year? All that and more from, from where, where we are. But first, we're going to check in with Makai Singleton. Makai, what's going on in the world? Thank you, Malcolm. A U.S. Air Force aircraft was carrying eight airmen when it experienced an aircraft mishap during a routine training mission, according to Air Force Operations Command. A spokesperson for the Japanese Coast Guard told CNN at least one person was killed in the crash, though U.S. officials have not yet confirmed that information. The U.S. military still does not know the status of the crew on the aircraft. The cause of the mishap is also unknown. The aircraft was Air Force CV-22B Osprey. The Osprey aircraft has had a history of mechanical issues that have resulted in member fatalities since 1992. This crash comes months after three Marines were killed while flying an MV-22B Osprey during a military exercise. Funeral services for former First Lady Rosalind Carter were held this morning. The services took place in her, home, in her and her husband, former President Jimmy Carter's hometown of Plains, Georgia. People from all walks of life that shared experiences with the former First Lady traveled to Plains to pay their respects. Carter fought for better mental health care services and underappreciated caregivers in millions of U.S. households. Traveling overseas, she fought disease, famine, and against the abuse of women and girls. The Los Angeles City Council approved a law that will require hosts of short rentals, including Airbnbs and hotels, to obtain a police permit. The council voted 14-0 in favor of the law. Although council members voted in favor of the law, some still had concerns about the process of obtaining permits. Council members mentioned the main concern added to the stress of the police force. The regulations are a compromise between the city and the hotel workers union to force a ballot measure vote related to hotel rooms and the housing of homeless residents. Under the proposal, the police permit would be issued to the operator of the short-term rental unit. A criminal history would disqualify a host from being able to receive the permit. USC libraries announced the acquisition of records of CCNMA, Latino Journalists of California, the first advocacy organizations for journalists of color to incorporate. The organization was founded in 1972 in Los Angeles, then known as the California Chicano News Media Association. It was created to promote the work and advancement of Latino journalists by offering scholarships, educational programs, and job fairs. The records acquired included correspondence, reports, administrative records, photographs, subject filings, and event programs. These records will bolster USC's current holdings of Latino journalism. Beyonce's mom, Tina Knowles, responded to criticism surrounding Beyonce's appearance at her Renaissance concert movie premiere. Knowles used a long Instagram caption to convey her disappointment and allegations that Beyonce lightened her skin. At the movie premiere in Los Angeles, Beyonce wore a silver Versace dress, platinum blonde hair, and silver shoes to match the disco spangled vibe of her Renaissance World Tour. Critics pointed out that in Beyonce's pictures, her skin looked lighter than usual, condemning her of not being comfortable in her own skin. 
Nose responded by pointing out how confident her daughter is in herself and everything she does and how fed up she is with the critics. And that's all for the headlines. Back to you guys. Thank you, Makai. The Students for Justice in Palestine have been going have been go- organizing protests across the country and in LA. This afternoon saw a pro-Palestinian die-in protest across towns at UCLA's campus. Marie Louise Leone was at the demonstration and has the story. Today at 1 p.m., more than 100 protesters gathered on UCLA's campus for a Students for Justice in Palestine die-in demonstration to recognize Palestinians killed in Gaza in the last month and a half. The protest started at UCLA's Perloff Hall, where several demonstrators gave speeches, and marched to Royce Hall. There, an organizer who did not give their name gave a statement about being a Palestinian American to cheers from the crowd and vocalized their goal. The goal is to be disruptive, but in a different manner. One that speaks to students and passerbys visually with the framework of non-violent action. We are asking you to lie down to illustrate the martyrs deserve to be treated as more than numbers and statistics. This form of protest has been done through generations and we will stay as long as it takes to honor that. We will be reading the names of martyrs and sharing testimonies. So just as to honor the martyrs of Gaza, please find a place, take up space and lie down. While students pass through the UCLA campus to classes, more than 100 demonstrators lay down on the brick walkway outside Royce Hall, chanting pro-Palestinian slogans as they protest. Speakers at the event included voices from the UCLA campus and diversity groups. Ryan, who did not give a last name, gave a statement as a representative for the Jewish Voice for Peace. I am here as an anti-Zionist Jew, speaking up for the decades-long humanitarian crisis caused by the occupation and apartheid in Palestine. This work has been made difficult by acts of aggression committed by the Zionist state that weaponizes Jewish fear and grief and the attempts to conflate anti-Zionism or criticism of the state of Israel with anti-Semitism. One organizer, Leila, who only gave a first name for fear of retaliation, spoke to why they were there today. So I'm here as a um, show of mourning for the over 20,000 people that have been killed in Gaza over the past um, few months. Um, They have been sort of relentlessly bombed and attacked by um, Israeli military forces. And this has resulted in thousands of children dying and thousands and tens of thousands of adult civilians dying. Um, without, you know, the, the recognition that, and, and empathy and action that they deserve. Layla felt that the pro-Palestinian students at UCLA had each other's backs, as shown by the turnout for the various SJP actions that have been organized in recent weeks. I have felt incredibly supported by the other members of this of, of the UCLA community, the people that have been showing up to these actions in the past few weeks. Um, I think there's many, many students that are resonating with, you know, the that are that are showing empathy and showing um, all these emotions and, and their solidarity with the people of Palestine. Some students, Layla says, feel unsafe being too visibly Palestinian, pointing to the shooting on Saturday in Vermont of three Palestinian college students who were wearing traditional Palestinian kefia scarves. 
People have been assaulted for, you know, wearing kafiyas, which is a cultural, a cultural symbol um, on campus. And <clears throat> so the Dayan is, is not just to encourage the university administration to support, show support for the people of Palestine, but also for their own students here at UCLA um, who, are, who are unsafe on campus right now, um, given the, how, how intense the Islamophobia and anti-Palestinian racism is. As more than 100 UCLA students gathered to lie down, the organizers began reading names of the Palestinian dead. The protesters say they object to UCLA and other universities' alleged investments with companies such as BlackRock, a private investor in the production of military hardware. Their message to UCLA and the UC system? Stop what they called the funding of a war in the Middle East. For Annenberg Media, I'm Marie-Louise Leone. A man suspected of entering Fixin's restaurant at LA Live and fatally shooting a diner who police say he knew is on the loose today. Diego Nzunza has the story. LA Live, a typically safe and family-friendly venue, experienced tragedy Tuesday night when a subject was mysteriously gunned down at Fixin's Soul Kitchen. According to police, the suspect entered the restaurant and shot the man, who then fell to the ground. The suspect was later pronounced dead at the hospital. A second female victim also sustained a graze wound. Earlier, Police Captain Raul Hovell gave an update on the investigation. Uh, so at this point, uh, the investigators are confident this was a lone, a, a very um, deliberate act. Uh, they don't feel that there's a threat to the community this, with this uh, individual going to other locations that we know of at this point. Captain Hovell revealed that the public has no reason to feel unsafe at Fixins, as they believe this was an isolated incident. They're actively working the, the leads to try to locate this individual. I don't know, you know, we'll let RHD uh, put out some of those details as they come forward, but we don't believe that, that um, this individual uh, is, you know, a threat to the public at this point, other than obviously he committed a murder here, but that he's going to go to another venue. We don't have those details that is going around to other venues and looking for victims or targets. Hovell also spoke of his personal history at LA Live and the shock he experienced when hearing about the incident. Uh, and these violent crimes do, uh, I, when I heard about this, I was just as shocked as anybody else was. I was like, in LA Live, this is a very safe place. It's a family-friendly place. There's an ice rink that's open till midnight here every day. Hovell promised the community an increased focus on safety at LA Live in the coming weeks. I've been here with my family myself, um, so it is shocking. But um, our promise moving forward is is increased patrols, more visibility, working with the local security here. We want to make sure that it doesn't repeat. And this is the first violent homicide in this property since it it opened up in like 2007. So uh, we will ensure that we work with our, our local partners and ensure that people feel safe. Onlooker Tyler Cummings was walking by when he saw the aftermath at the scene. Yeah, we were walking by, um, my father's visiting, and uh, we were going to eat dinner, and it looked like they were filming a movie or something, a lot of commotion out, and uh, didn't realize what was going on until today we found out there was a shooting. Cummins expressed his optimism for the safety of fixins in the future as well. For, uh, I feel like the, that, that could have happened at any restaurant. It's like the person, particular person wanted to kill the other person and just happened to be the wrong place at the wrong time, I guess, you know. 
Fixin' Soul Kitchen, a popular dining destination at LA Live, is owned by former NBA point guard and Sacramento mayor Kevin Johnson. Najee Ali, director of Project Islamic Hope, called Fixin's, quote, one of the premier dining restaurants in Los Angeles, with city residents and tourists from all over the world enjoying the food. He said that he will continue to dine at Fixin's and not allow business to drop. For Annenberg Media, I'm Diego Nzunza. Adjunct professors from USC School of Cinematic Arts marched earlier today to deliver a letter of intent to be recognized under a new union. Joseph Domingot has the story. Hundreds of USC students and faculty from the School of Cinematic Arts marched across campus to Bovard Auditorium to deliver a message. But the real thing is, and then they said, you know, you can't teach two classes anymore. I know they're doubling the number of screenwriting instructors to, to make up for what they've lost. And it took me a year or two before I got really grounded in how USC worked, you know, the way things going. How can you provide a great service to the students if you just keep doing this all the time? That's Jody Wheeler adjunct professor in the School of Cinematic Arts Division of Writing for Screen and Television. He is one of many professors from the SCA who are planning to work with the United Auto Workers to form a union with the Adjunct Faculty Alliance. The UAW has previously helped academic workers form unions at other universities across the country, including NYU and Harvard. Professors have voiced their concern with the current system's compensation relating to health insurance, low fixed wages, and other disparities. But most of us don't really do it for the money. A lot of us maybe do it for health insurance. And I don't know if you know, they don't even pay for our parking. But, you know, it's really not that big of a deal. Except they started doing this thing where they're taking away the second. If you teach two classes, you get health insurance. And they're starting to take away second classes so that people don't get health insurance. And that was kind of the breaking point for a lot of people, I think. Around 70% of SCA's faculty is made up of adjunct professors. James Savica, adjunct professor in the Division of Film and Television Production, addressed the Adjunct Faculty Alliance supporters ahead of the walkout to the provost's office. I called the provost this morning. The provost wasn't there. We left. A, I left a message. You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, I just want to say that uh, this is us. We need to grow. Annenberg Media had reached out to USCPR for requesting a statement from the provost. However, they have not yet responded. For Annenberg Media, I'm Joseph Domingot. There is an update to the story. We did receive a statement from the School of Cinematic Arts, which says, The School of Cinematic Arts highly values our adjunct professors who are invaluable to our mission. They bring a wealth of expertise, experience, and currency to the school and enhance our students' educational experience. We also appreciate and respect the direct collegial and cooperative relationship we have with our adjunct professors and their participation in shared governance. We do not believe they need a third party to speak for them. We remain committed to continuing to provide fair compensation and will continue to directly respond to their concerns and needs as they arise. Apple just launched a new feature for the iPhone called Name Drop to exchange contact information without effort. Reporter Thomas Legrand reports on the raising concerns about privacy. 
Name dropping doesn't require you knowing a famous person anymore. Name drop is the name of the new Apple feature available on iPhone iOS 17.1 and watchOS 10.1. That basically means the most up-to-date versions. Launched on October 25th, the new feature is part of the airdrop function. It now allows users to share contact information quickly and seamlessly. Forget about physical business cards lost at the bottom of your bag and this OneNote in your phone's folder that you can't find. While it seems fairly harmless, this new feature has been raising concerns about how easy it has become to gain access to private information. Law enforcement agencies across the country have issued warnings about digital safety and safeguarding private information. Kendra Walther, USC Associate Professor of the Information Technology Practice, thinks that we should proceed with caution. I think overall it could be helpful. Um, using NameDrop in the way that Apple has introduced it, but um, there might be some concerns about the default settings and privacy concerns around that. In Pennsylvania, the Jefferson Hills Police Department shared a Facebook post where they encouraged parents to, quote, change these settings after the update on your children's phones. Michaela King, a freshman studying psychology at USC, opens up about how it could invade users' privacy. I think that everyone has their own, like, privacy, like, that per, like, preferences and I think that I wouldn't like not knowing like where my phone number is going around and if people are like sending it to people. So how does the feature actually work? To share information with another compatible iPhone, all you have to do is bring the two devices near each other. If you want to disable the name drop function, you simply need to head to your phone setting, select the airdrop tab, and then toggle the bringing devices together option off. Apple explains privacy is one of their leading values. Privacy is a fundamental human right. It's also one of our core values, which is why we design our products and services to protect it. That's the kind of innovation we believe in, Apple says on their web page. I'm assuming that most of the contact information that would be shared would be names and phone numbers, right? And in the olden days, these used to be published in phone books and you could opt out, but most, you know, the default was to opt in. And so um, as long as the individual has control over what is um, received and what they are sending to somebody else, I'm not too concerned about that level of data privacy. While Apple has defaulted the feature to on, to share your contact information, you need to hit the share button that pops up asking for your approval to transfer your contact information. Now, a bigger concern is emerging from the ever-advancing technology, and that is the takeover of AI. Barrett Custer, senior lecturer in information technology at the Viterbi School of Engineering, says that he worries about it. Well, I generally turn everything off. I mean, I'm old school. I don't like it doing stuff without my doing it. Yeah. So um, this particular feature, I'm not too worried about. AI in general, just, oh, you wanted this. Oh, you wanted that. Um, maybe not. For Annenberg Media, I'm Thomas Legrand. This week, the award-winning journalist, Trayvell Anderson, stopped by Wallace Annenberg Hall as the guest of the Live and Learn Conversation, moderated by Dr. Alyssa V. Richardson. Anderson had a lot to say about diversity in the newsroom, the media's failings, and how to make it better. In the spirit of coming together for an educational conversation about diversity within the field of journalism, the Charlotta Bass Journalism and Justice Lab welcomed Trayvell Anderson for a moderated discussion. Khalif Starks has a story. 
The Black Non-Binary Podcast host and former Los Angeles Times film reporter spoke with Dr. Alyssa V. Richardson about radical authenticity within today's media landscape. Richardson, chair of USC's Charlotta Bass Journalism and Justice Lab, says it's important for students to see a successful journalist who is outside of the typical mold. I think for me, in the space that I occupy as an educator, it's important for me to bring my classroom to a broader audience at Annenberg so people can begin to see what it might look like to practice inclusion in real time. It's fine when we talk about diversity and inclusion and um, all of these different buzzwords, but it really becomes important to students to see themselves in the classroom. Recently named on Out Magazine's 2023 list of most impactful LGBTQ people, Anderson's career in journalism highlights the importance of resilience in an ever-changing industry. The South Carolina natives shared their thoughts about the concept of objectivity for journalists from underrepresented communities. Objectivity is a machination of white supremacy. Objectivity is just subjectivity from the vantage point of those who are already in power. Everybody has biases. Nobody can be objective. But what we can be as journalists, right, we can be accurate, we can be precise, we can be thorough. A journalist who centers stories about identities along the margins, Anderson encourages journalists to challenge the status quo through their storytelling for more representation. Our stories will be disregarded, they will be diminished, they will be disrespected. That's just the landscape that we're dealing with, and that's because the foundation of our industry has already disrespected us and our stories, right? So that's going to continue. If we are interested in changing what this record looks like as relates to our communities, we are going to have to play the game. By which I mean, how can you make these stories feel important of, and of consequence to the people who are in power so that we can continue telling them, so that more people can see the possibilities of how they can exist. They also shared their thoughts about the notion of how bias is seen for reporters of color and or those from excluded communities. They feel that their identity improves their reporting. The problem is it's only our biases as black people, as queer people, as folks from historically excluding communities that get deemed, you know, as a problem, right? Our counterparts, their biases is just, it's just normal. You know, um, and so I think what we're trying to get to a place and an articulation of in terms of being black journalists specifically, but I think this applies to other communities as well, is that, you know, my life experiences and the identities that have shaped me can always help inform the work that I'm doing. And if we're able to acknowledge, right, the truth of our realities as human beings, right, and our complexities as human beings, that only improves the reporting. Richardson says Anderson's visit is a display of inclusion in real time. Slay on. For Annenberg Media, I'm Khalif Starks. USC women's basketball defeated Cal Poly last night 85-44 to move to 6-0 on the season. The team cracked the number six spot in the AP poll, their highest ranking since 1994. Victor Kevorkian has the story. 
Watkins left alone. Triple on the way. Bullseye for Juju Watkins. Freshman Juju Watkins has lived up to the hype and more, averaging just under 27 points and 7 rebounds. The 6-2 guard out of Sierra Canyon made Trojan history last night, passing USC legend Lisa Leslie's record for the most 30-point games as a freshman with her fourth of the season. She has the steal. Watkins straight to the rim. 30 points again for the fourth time this season and the most ever by a Trojan freshman. This is sound of last night's game from the Pac-12 Network broadcast. Another Trojan reached a milestone last night as redshirt freshman Aaliyah Gale scored her first points in Cardinal and Gold. This was especially memorable as the 5'9 guard out of Spring Valley High School was shot 10 times in her arms and legs in April of last year. After a long road of recovery, her scholarship was honored and she was cleared to play about two weeks ago. Gales hit a pull-up three late in the fourth quarter, making for an explosion of excitement from her teammates on the Trojan bench. 40, Gales steps into a three. It's her first bucket of her career. Watkins and Gales were not the only players with memorable nights, as forward Mackenzie Forbes scored her 1,000th career collegiate point. The California native who transferred from Harvard is in her first season with USC and will look to contribute to a potential title run. In a season full of storylines, the women of Troy are looking to make some noise heading into their opening round matchup of the NCAA tournament against UMBC on December 1st. For Annenberg Media, I'm Victor Kevorkian. I love garlic, you love garlic, we love garlic, 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 garlic. So Malcolm, this common ingredient is in plenty of foods like pasta, meats, and you can even spread it on a cracker. Can you guess what it is? Cream cheese? Malcolm, are you hearing this song right now? Do you, are you hearing what the song is about? It's garlic. Well, not only is garlic delicious, but people also use it for its medicinal benefits. Our reporter Piper Vaughn explains. Erica Driscoll, a graduate student at Annenberg who's also getting her master's in nutrition. Once a USC song girl and now a fitness guru, she enjoys a special ingredient in her daily life. I love garlic. I also like how you can grill garlic or you cook it. So if you're not using like a powder, it's very fresh. Taking it in the raw form is good, but did you know you can also take it in a pill form? Interestingly enough, my grandfather was the one who studied and patented what are called nanospheres of garlic, these polymer tablets. He researched all of the developments. Unfortunately, he passed away when I was just a baby, but my mom knows all too well about garlic. He patented multiple products with the nanospheres and also with garlic um, as a healthier lifestyle. And um, the garlic research started in our kitchen. <laughs> so for me, as a 16-year-old girl bringing friends home to the house, the garlic walked in our house and um, had to explain that to a lot of friends, but he truly was brilliant. Despite my mom's hesitance to the garlic, as a matter of fact, for thousands of years, it was used as a medical treatment in ancient cultures. Danae Brummer, a food professor here at USC, explains the history as to why garlic is so good for you. One of the most common herbs used throughout the world, whether it's in China, Egypt, or even Roman civilization, was garlic. She says that people can never have enough garlic. 
I think people shouldn't discount the notion of adding garlic to their food. It offers a lot of nutritional and chemical benefits that work in many beneficial ways. So a little garlic can save the day. And my mom agrees. I think it's beneficial to our entire, you know, livelihood. Just to be able to take that on a daily basis, a simple supplement that you can take that can help your overall well-being. And it's not going to do your body any harm by taking that, but it will help your body. And that's what he was most impressed with, with the clinical studies and things like that. I know some love garlic and some hate it, but maybe knowing the health benefits can help you use it more in your life. But try not to forget a breath mint. For Annenberg Media, I'm Piper Vaughn. I can buy myself flowers. Today was a highly anticipated day for music lovers. Spotify Raps came out today, and I know you saw it on your timeline because everybody posted about it. But guess what song was the most streamed this year? Okay, so my first instinct was to say something by Taylor Swift, but I feel like that might be wrong. Was it maybe As It Was by Harry Styles? Not quite. It was actually Flowers by Miley Cyrus. Now, Natalie, what did your Spotify rap come out to look like this year? It was actually kind of embarrassing. <laughs> the show tunes, the show tunes, guys, they've been my downfall since I was in high school. Oh my goodness, it's so annoying. <laughs> That's not embarrassing. Any particular show tune? Um, well, I think this year it was just the Little Mermaid soundtrack, but in the past, I like, I knew the entire prologue of, um, into the woods. I was that kid. Okay. <laughs> That's cool. Um, I know my top artists this year were D'Angelo, Wizkid, Samara Joy, Masego, and Music Soul Child. Nice. We do have very different tastes in music, though. My top artists were Taylor Swift, Lana Del Rey, Sabrina Carpenter, Daisy Jones and the Six, and Olivia Rodrigo. Okay, that's a great list. I like it. I'm a big fan of Sabrina Carpenter, nice. by the way. And I know Kaylee Bryant has been keeping up with what other USC students have been listening to. Do you remember what song you listened to during that terrible breakup? What about what artists you were emotionally attached to during the stress of the finals week? Don't fret, because Spotify has created a special gift this holiday season to refresh your musical memory. Today, 574 million Spotify users have received a personalized list consisting of their most listened to tracks, albums, and artists throughout the year. And people have not been hesitant to share their 2023 Spotify rap list with the world. USC students have already posted their list to social media platforms, including Instagram and Snapchat, hoping to prove that they deserve the unofficial title as the number one fan of their favorite artist. USC student Simone Peterson was eager to reveal her dedication towards her top artist. My top artist, number one, is Wave to Earth. I'm in the 0.5 percentile. Kaufman student Mia Snap proudly announced her number one artist as pop star Madonna. Just am always in her discography. I feel like she's right for every mood. You know, she has like lots of different things. I don't know. I just love a Madonna moment, always. Colombian singer Carol G has climbed to the top for student Jennifer Molina. She's a fellow Colombiana, so I uh, can relate to that, and I love her music. She's been like one of the biggest Latina artists right now. School even seemed to be an influence on students' number one song, especially for USC student Jalen Bourne. 
It's uh, See You Again by Tyler the Creator. I honestly think the reason this is my number one song is because I did a project with this song. It, sometimes it comes up now and again, even when I'm not working on that project. I'm like trying to like relax or like feel good because that song is such a feel good song, you know. Some students, including Val Molina, believe that their Spotify rap list should have been different. <laughs> my top five songs are all Fred Again songs, um, which is kind of unfair and I have an explanation for that. It's all the piano versions of Fred Again songs, which from like February to end of May, I would listen to it to go to sleep. So it's just like a bedtime playlist thing. So after looking at the playlist that they made, I would have put Dermont, then Nova Came by Frank Ocean, then Wish on an Eyelash, then For Me, and then Creepin'. USC student Anna Silverstein agreed. My top five artists, honestly, it's a little disappointed with my top five, but it really had to do with Coachella and Kate Trinata, which I'm not, I'm very proud of that. Kate Trinata was number one. Oh my God, I think I listen to him like all the time. I listen to him in the morning. I listen to him on night drives. I listen to him when I'm in a good mood, in a bad mood. Like he just has, he's, and then it was Frank Ocean, which was a deep wound for me that I had to like deal with because he was really bad at Coachella. So then Metro Boomin, which was also because I had to learn the lyrics to 10 Freaky Girls before Coachella. I was expecting a little bit more like house music. I was listening to some good house people this year, so I was expecting a little bit more of that to show through and I didn't see that. While Spotify rap list is primarily a marketing campaign to promote the platform, Silverstein can't help but enjoyed the ability to connect with her friends through the love of music. Of the same reason why I stay with Spotify, like the personalization of the Spotify rap, like it tells you something about yourself. Like I love sharing it with my friends. We all talk about artists that they introduced me to or we introduced each other to that ended up on our Spotify rap. It's like a cool way to reflect on our years and like our growth through music. This year, Spotify has added an additional category to its rap list, grouping listeners into 12 listening habits, including a shapeshifter, a person who quickly jumps from one artist to another, and the time traveler, one who can't seem to get that one song off a repeat. It came to no surprise to me when I discovered my habit to be a vampire, one that listens to emotional, atmospheric music. I guess my top artist of the year, Olivia Rodrigo, has taught me to embrace music that bleeds its listeners dry, like a vampire. For Annenberg Media, I'm Kaylee Bryant. Santa, tell me if you're really there Don't make me fall in love again If you won't be here next year Santa, tell me if he really cares The holiday season is finally here, which means hot chocolate, watching Hallmark movies, and having yummy treats. Hallmark, really? I wouldn't have taken you for a Hallmark person. Oh, I've seen all of them, Malcolm. <laughs> you got a favorite one? <laughs> I get it. All of them. Are there any treats that you're looking forward to having? I'm a big fan of gingerbread cookies and a nice bowl of eggnog. Okay, no, wait. No, hold on. Go back. A bowl? Yeah. You've never had a bowl of sweet and salty eggnog? Okay, there's a lot of things going on here. I've had a glass or a cup of sweet eggnog, but never a bowl of salty eggnog. Hey, don't knock it till you try it. I'm just saying. All right. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Speaking of holiday treats, we have some in the studio today provided by our amazing producers. And we're going to tell you which ones are our personal favorites so you can go and try them. Okay, so we have we have Trader Joe's gingerbread sandwich cookies. 
We have um, mini dark chocolate mint stars. They're super cute, guys. They're tiny. And also some uh, dark chocolate covered peppermint JoJo's, which Malcolm, you won't be able to have because of your peanut allergy. Too bad. So sad. Oh, well. Let's hope that I'm not missing out on much. Let's try them and see which one's best. Let's start with the two that we can both have. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's. Um, do you want to start with the little star one, the mini dark chocolate mint stars? Sure. Yeah. Okay. We're gonna cheers. One, two, three. Cheers. cheers. They're good. I'm so sorry for. <laughs> it's like. I mean, obviously minty, right? Mm. You know those little mint chocolates that sometimes you get at a hotel. That oh, left on your pillow. yes. It's like that, but, but slightly better. underneath it. Oh, slightly underneath it. I was In my say opinion, better. okay. It's better for you. I like them. I like them. I, I like that good. they're small, too, because I feel like, well, actually, I feel like that's dangerous. I could Maybe. just eat a lot of them. It does make a very cute decoration. I'll say out of five, I'll give it, I'll give it a three. A three? Yeah. I'll go ahead and give it a four. It'll be okay. a little nice. All right. Fair enough. In the spirit of, okay. Let's see. Uh, the next one is the gingerbread sandwich cookies. Oop, the sugar is falling. Let's cheers. Three, two, oh, one. we're doing cheers. cheers. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, okay. This one's a little crumbly. Mm. That fell right apart. Yeah. And I didn't even put it in my mouth yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a problem. But Ooh. you know what? It's kind of nice. It's I got like, a bitter twinge of ginger, which I like. I like I the like, ginger. I like, I like anything ginger, though. Flavor. I can't really figure out what the cream is, though. Is it like vanilla? I'm going to hope it's vanilla or it's like maybe coconut. Okay. Oh, maybe coconut. I think I'm going to give it, I think I'm going to give it a three out of out of five. I'll you? give it the opposite. I'll give it a four. Oh. I actually like this one quite a okay. bit. Okay. Okay. And then I'll try this one for you. All right. This is the dark chocolate covered peppermint JoJo's. This is a two for one. Her count, her vote counts for more than five. It's out of 10. Mm. Mm, very good. Mm. Sucks to suck, Malcolm. I mean... <laughs> Um, I think this one's the winner. This one's the winner. Is it that good? Yeah, this is better than the other two. Too bad you'll never know. Like significantly better or just slightly better? I, I'm a, just a chocolate person. So I like the, I can definitely t- taste the dark chocolate, but that and the peppermint are just like, they're, yeah, it's very good. I'm going to give it, this is a five out of five for me. So what you're saying is it could have <laughs> done without the nuts because you didn't oh. mention those at all. You know what? Maybe it could have gone without the nuts. I couldn't really feel them, but I guess that's because it has like these like white little things on top as like a topping. I'm not sure. Oh, that's the peppermint. Okay, I'm so silly. Yeah, that's the peppermint. I guess so. I guess they could have gone without the nuts, but um, yeah. Okay. I think so five out of five. Dark chocolate covered peppermints for the win, everybody. And that's all we have time for on today's From Where We Are. I'm Natalie Lozano. And I'm Malcolm Cabinero. Issa Johnson, Kyla Drew Simmons, Jack Waterman, Amy Lopez, and Sana Mahmoud produced today's show. We also had help from Justin Lee. We have a special thanks to our coach, Tina Rubio, our media service manager, Sebastian Grubaugh, our tech op, Matthew Buxbaum, and our pinch hitter engineer, Danny Bringer. 
Our board operator is AC Schick. Our live stream manager is Nina Mutedat. Derek Renfro composed our theme music. And we'd like to give some special shout outs today. I just wanted to say happy birthday to my mother. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. A thousand hugs and a thousand kisses. And also, it's our executive producer, Isa's mom's birthday. Happy birthday, Roxanne Johnson. Sending you lots of love. Thank you for joining us this semester from where we are. We'll be back on the air in January. From all of us at Annenberg Radio, happy, happy holidays. holidays. And bye, bye, bye. <laughs>